which he introduces and then intro yeah. music, intro music. Sneak can I start? Intro can music. I start? <laughs> you hey, start. Hey, Nick. <laughs> Hang on. Let's do it again because I talked over you. You're listening to Pop the Kettle On with Nicole Essio and Dr. Rachel Bushing. Hey, Nick. Hey, Rach. How you doing, beautiful? I'm well, That's but we've good. been ill for about seven weeks or so. Oh, it's just too much. It's how are too much. How are you? Yeah, well, for the most part, we got the COVID, mm-hmm. as you know. Paul still has a, a pretty horrendous cough on occasion if he's been talking for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel a little bit tired. Yeah. But then I also have not been sleeping enough. Oh. So that kind of... <laughs> It's too much to do. Sleep is for the dead. Doesn't help. As they say. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what's happening in your well, world? I'm I'm pretty chilled. I just have a lot to do because we keep getting sick and then everything just gets like sort of, yeah, cast to the side and then it's extra double work to do. Mm-hmm. Catch yeah. up. Yeah. So we managed to keep catching gastro, which is heaps of fun. That does sound fun. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I reckon that would be super fun in our house where there is regularly six people here in one toilet. Mm-hmm. That would just be... Whew. Not the most fun. Not the most and fun. And then when you can't sort of do all the washing because it's of the pouring. weather. So not, not the most fun. No. Um, but I was also sort of finding myself Googling like conspiratorially, is the water quality really bad post-floods? <laughs> and that's why everyone's getting gastro. Oh. I couldn't find any evidence for it. No. But I did find evidence for um, apparently everyone's just going to get sick with everything this year now right. that the world has opened up again. Of course. Because there was a bit of a pause Mm -hmm. on every other disease that existed. That's right. And so, yeah. So, let's expect to um, have a terrible winter and get your flu jab. Flu jab, indeed. (laughs) I need to book ours, actually. That's on the list. I mean, our guys were due for their booster COVID and then it got interrupted with floods and then when they had COVID. Yeah. (laughs) That'll do it. Now, now I've got to do a judgment call. Um, Flu jab or second COVID because... I just don't know if we have the emotional resources to handle both of those in the next month. <laughs> we'll see. Write in, write in if you have any thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Help Rach out with this particular dilemma. <laughs> Correct. I am so excited about today's topic. Excellent. Um, I have done no preparation though. Wonderful. But I was excited about it. You're excited. You have the thoughts. I have the feelings. I have the feelings. Wonderful. I do have the feelings. Uh-huh. Talk to me. Talk what to are you. we talking about today, right? Something that is not all that topical, although there's constant news happening mm. in the Britney-verse. Mm-hmm. We wanted to touch base about, see, when things come up in the news, I make little notes and then I make little kind of like tabs for next season. Mm-hmm. And so I've, you and I have been wanting to talk a little bit about Britney. Indeed we have. For quite a while. Mm. So there is recent news with Britney. Yes. Which I'm not sure if you would know about because I went and looked at her Instagram, which is apparently like a gas. There's a, a lot of nudes. There's a post, but her most recent post is that she lost the baby. Oh, no. I know, right? Oh, that's sad. And I hadn't heard that. No, I hadn't I'd, heard I'd that. I'd heard nudes. I'd heard she was pregnant. Yeah. And then today I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's really upsetting. Yeah. Mm. So that's taking us right up to the day. Yeah. What's the date today? 14th. No? 15th. Yes. 15th. 
thought it was Saturday for a minute. I knew Friday was the 13th. You were, you were hoping it was Saturday for a minute. <laughs> oh, whatever. We're recording on the Sunday, which is the 15th. So that's the latest news. Wow. Yeah, no, Brittany. I had not heard that. That is super yeah. sad. Yeah. So we're going to kind of go for a little journey right back to, um, I suppose, like what has been happening in Brittany's life. Mm. And of course, there are some mental health type topics that spring out of us, out at us. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that as we go along. Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Because there is a lot to unpack, as they say. <laughs> All right. First things first, though. What's your relationship with Miss Brittany? Huge fan when mm-hmm. she first came out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think up until perhaps the album before Circus, I reckon... I don't, yeah, it mm-hmm. was probably my prime Britney listening time. Okay. Now, I think Circus, I'm not a massive fan, but I think Circus was the one she was forced to do under the conservatorship. Yes. Is that right? I think so. I think that was part, well, the Circus tour was part of the whole right. conservatorship thing, I, I think. Yeah, we'll, my... we'll, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll take over her life and then we'll just plonk her out on the world stage and mm. do this amazing tour. Yeah, exactly. Circus. Sounds like I a think, circus. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 So uh, it, it, you were bopping around to hit me, baby. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think at the time was not terribly cognizant of age versus appropriateness of the way she was being treated, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think I put those two things together at the time. Mm-hmm. And you kind of look back and it's yeah. a horror show. <laughs> it's a horror show. It's a horror show. <laughs> I must have been in my indie phase and right. didn't get behind Britney and probably had to go in support of Christina instead because she Ooh. was a bit oh, edgy. A bit edgier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I sense. think that I'm a nice sweet southern girl mm-hmm. and you know I was just like oh Britney. <laughs> so you know I wish I was a bigger fan but she has enough fans. She has a lot of fans. She a broke lot of fans. all the records back in the day. Mm, yeah. I know. Big, big records. And I mean, we're talking about, so Hit Me Baby One More Time, she was 15, right? Mm, I think so. 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, at 15 years old, I was working at McDonald's mm-hmm. and living my life mm-hmm. and doing my thing. Doing your thing. In my own little world. <laughs> and backflipping through the, um, <laughs> with your midriff showing <laughs> through the high school gym. <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. <laughs> and not, you know, being subjected to a whole lot of media mm-hmm. scrutiny the way that she has been. Yeah. So last year I sort of did uh, indulge in a fair bit of Britney media mm. and I listened to this Pieces of Britney podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really interesting because they talk a lot about that time and kind of going back to her um, Disney Channel sort of days and Mm -hmm. and all the rest, but also about how she had a lot of agency and intention around how she wanted to portray herself in in that like early burst onto the scene Mm. that, um, you know, the dressing as a schoolgirl stuff was apparently her creative um, vision. Interesting. (laughs) Well, she was a schoolgirl, so... Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. There was, uh, I can't quite remember the details, but something about how she was, there was a really controversial magazine cover. I want to say Rolling Stone or anyway, it was one of those big major ones where she also was like in her bedroom, sort of, you know, underwear type thing. Wow. (laughs) I know, right? Wow. It just sounds creepy the more you talk about it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so the oddness, especially around, uh, they they sort of examine the family dynamics and everything as well Mm. um, about, you know, gosh, where do we begin? It just seems as though her father's always been quite a problematic figure and quite absent in her early life. Mm Mm-hmm. And that she was living away from home, sort of with her mum, 
and the Gemma Lynn is like the younger daughter, fair mm-hmm. bit younger. Yeah. So they like went and lived in Florida and all this with like the Disney staff and then other times. So the dad didn't have much to do with her early life uh-huh. and day-to-day parenting. So then when she came into success, I think those dynamics of, yeah, keep going out there, yeah, baby Brittany. Yeah, and keep bringing in some dollars, baby Brittany. <laughs> Do you know another rabbit hole we've been down recently is a Wizard of Oz? Ah, oh gosh, it's a Judy Garland kind of, uh, there are many crossovers, there are many crossovers. Because I had the kids kind of asking me, what did Dorothy do after the Wizard of Oz? Mm. And all I'm thinking is like, benzos and depression. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of alcohol, Uh a lot of uppers, a lot of downers, a lot of everything in between. Yeah, when they were just overtly kind of like, here you go, this is a helpful little blue pill. Yeah. This is going to be really amazing for you. And And it will mean you won't eat. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we can't have that. Yeah, let's be thin. I know, Dorothy. just horrific, horrific <laughs> stuff. But the good part of that is that um, I was inspired to rewatch it because I bought from Erstwalder, which is this amazing. They do badges, like oh, yeah. enamel kind of badges, and oh. these really like elaborate ones. Nice. So they had a Wizard of Oz release. And so I've got the Emerald City with a rainbow over it. Oh, I'll have to take a photo and show you. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm always obsessed with it. Yeah, And everyone who notices it, they're like, oh, my God, I love that. And I'm like, thank you. I know. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm amazing for finding it. That's right. I have to wear black as we make, oh, it, make the background. You do so need to make it. So that all that you see is the Wizard of Oz necklace I love it. coming your way. <laughs> I love that idea. But, yeah, there are many parallels in this story around what happens to young women in the machine that mm-hmm. is Hollywood. Taylor's oldest time. Yes, exactly. And all the people who benefit and all the people who uh, not only benefit from the good times, but also, you know, really benefit from the bad times. Yeah. So did you watch any of the, there were like these three documentaries all released kind of at once Mm. because across most of last year was where there was heaps of momentum building around Free Britney Mm -hmm. um, and a bit of a kind of sense that the – all of that media attention is what effectively led to the legal challenge of the conservatorship. Yeah. Which is what happened like towards the end of last year, I Indeed think. Indeed it did, yeah. It and and it's extraordinary to think that there was such a, a loyal fan base that were pushing mm. to free Britney mm-hmm. and concerned about her and thinking that something was seriously not right. That pe- just people around the world who loved her would, yeah. would try all that they could to, to make that happen. It's, it's quite an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the documentaries, mm-hmm. but I was sort of keeping abreast of Ronan Farrow and his his colleague GR Tormelino, I think her name is, um, New Yorker journalist basically, so Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino. So they did the you know big investigative journalistic piece about mm. the two of the uh, the whole conservatorship situation mm. and and basically you know coming from the fact that these incredible activists fans mm. were, were building momentum and sh- really shining a light on what was going on because I think as a nation America was just like she cray cray somebody has to look after her yeah yeah mm. so and also again not being like an uber fan and you know I mean it's kind of funny because I think she's like two years younger than me so wow. <laughs> there's this weird thing we're feeling like we're the same age you know yeah I think I'm the same age as um Beyonce 
Oh my god. Which I'm a bit more jazzed about. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and Brittany's that slightly younger. Yeah. So I think I was born in eighty, so I'm think she's around like eighty one, eighty two or something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of weird to sort of see what stages of life she's at because mm. it feels very cool. Even though she was doing nothing on the same timeline as me. Yeah. Which is which is interesting. Framing Britney Spears mm. was the first one that I watched. Right. It was produced by CNN and it, it's up on YouTube. Yeah. Apparently. I feel like maybe I did see that one. You might have. It. I think it was on Channel 9 at some point. Caught, yeah. Yeah. yeah most I feel likely. like that one I definitely did catch a bit of. Because the whole focus in that, which is fascinating, mm. is also just this casting a modern lens on what it was like in the paparazzi pressure Mm. and everything that was going on for her Mm. in those turbulent years, which is like 2007, 2008, when she went on the conservatorship Mm. and the famous uh, umbrella photos. Yeah, shaving um, her head. Shaving her head. Mm. And just, I think, I heard it said, the finger is pointing at all of us in terms of what went wrong. Mm. For Britney. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at those, I think in that Framing Britney Spears documentary now, it's all coming back to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. The interviews with people like David Letterman and Barbara Walters Mm -hmm. and just think that a 17-year-old child Mm. is being asked about her sexual history. Mm -hmm. She's being asked about whether her breasts are real or fake. She's asked about her sex appeal Mm -hmm. to the masses. Mm -hmm. It just feels so icky Mm -hmm. when you watch it back with that, she's 17 lens whereas at the time maybe we were closer in age to her and it didn't seem plus it was a different time yeah it didn't seem so icky but Mm -hmm. watching it back it just it's so gross Rach yeah yeah and also yeah you're absolutely right that idea of the sexualization Mm. and the intrusiveness and there was also this of course like let's all hate upon Justin Timberlake now right Mm -hmm. Because the way that, you know, I suppose the commentary is, I mean, I think he did apologise, sort of semi-apologised or whatever. It was pretty Upon pathetic. reflection, I realised that I did benefit from the narrative at the time, mm. which is when we broke up, she was some skanky whore mm. who was going out drinking and sleeping around and cheated on me, cry me a river. Yeah. And I'm just like this nice guy. Mm. Total innocent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Once again, Taylor's old as time. <laughs> uh, there's a Disney theme coming back in. Ooh, look at his full circle. And yes, absolutely. He massively benefited from that. Mm. And then spun that off again to the next thing, the next controversy where it was him and Janet Jackson mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very mm-hmm. convenient. Yeah. Very convenient. And I think he said the same thing about that. Not quite an apology, but an acknowledgement mm. that I didn't face any of that backlash. No. No, and it's it's amazing watching that documentary, just the veracity of the paparazzi craziness. Yeah. It, it, is, it is an intensity that you just cannot imagine mm-hmm. anyone yeah. coping yeah. with, yeah. let alone someone who is a child. Yeah, really sad. Mm. You know, and I am guilty, of course, because I used to actually have a subscription to Who magazine. Wow. <laughs> 
Now, we're really letting the skeletons out of the closet now, aren't we? See, but at the time, I thought it was like so much classier than Women's Day and New Idea, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> My mum used to read those ones mm. and she used to read like That's Life of and um, Take Five. Is that what they were called? They were. <laughs> so it's those ones that have all the quizzes and puzzles in them, That's I think that's why she mostly bought them. Mm-hmm. They're really clearly aliens abducted my blah, 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 yeah, blah. Like, National Enquirer level. So absolutely made up. Mm. But then the Woman's Day New Idea level was kind of like, look, m- my lens was, I think that's all made up too. Mm. Sources say, speculate. Yes, yes. And I remember mum being like, oh, no, no, no. These, these are my stories. This is my truth. <laughs> and I was like, wake up, mum. Who magazine, which I think is like the same as people in the US. Right. I think they're like the same thing. Mm. Oh, no. Like it's not as dirty. And I, I still stand by that actually. I think that's true. But they would have a lot of paparazzi. A lot of it was just, oh, we've sold our story and here's our little cover piece or it's like fun snapshots, paparazzi kind of stuff. Yeah. And who could you possibly trust and feel comfortable with Mm. when all of those kind of sources say Mm -hmm. or photographs from – you just wouldn't know where to turn. Yeah. And then plus you've got this fractious kind of relationship with your dad. There's mm, there's mm. a weird dynamic there where she's the she's the money spinner mm-hmm. in that family. Mm-hmm. It, it's all so incredibly sad and yeah. just destructive yeah. for a human psyche. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the documentary did well as well, was like showing that she was so alone and isolated mm. and she formed these attachments then to the paparazzi yes (laughs) like better the devil you know Mm. and that seems to be kind of the way that it is but that she that offered her some level of protection Mm. right Mm. so just think how like sort of vulnerable like and just blowing in the wind she was at that time like I remember thinking oh white trash you Mm. know Mm. I remember sort of like she had this Vegas wedding and like her high school boyfriend and then she had this that was an old what Kevin Federline oh my god yeah and then is pregnant Mm. and then having another baby straight away what are you doing Brittany but that was still when she kind of had it together yeah you know in quotation marks but you know she's also come out and spoken about having postnatal depression as well how could you not being so young Mm -hmm. all those situational factors and then yeah, she had the like she was pregnant with the with the second boy pretty much straight after she had the first one. Yeah, there's not very much between them, I don't think. Wild. Mm. There's really not. Mm. And then to think that also the inciting event around some of the stuff that led her to have a psychiatric hold placed upon her mm. is because she was showing up at Kevin's house yes. and wanting access to her children. Wanting her babies. And the police and the ambulance get called and she gets carted off for a, a mental health evaluation. Yeah, and then it just all spirals from there. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it's it's quite a train wreck to mm-hmm. revisit as you go backwards. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even doesn't even come close to the train wreck that is forcing her to work under this conservatorship Mm -hmm. and taking control of everything Mm. when someone with her mental capacity who didn't wasn't a money spinner Mm -hmm. would never have been put in that position yeah It's, it's yeah it's just gross just that dichotomy of like if she's so mentally unwell then why is she functioning? Mm-hmm. But then the opposite argument of that is if she weren't under the conservatorship, she wouldn't be functioning. Yeah. 
And that's kind of where it sat, mm-hmm. seemingly, for 14 years? Uh, oh, it was 13. 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And would have continued to. Mm-hmm. There was no out for her. Mm-hmm. It was all so – it was such a web mm-hmm. of of connection to the dad, to the conservatorship, the way in which the lawyers were paid. He was paid by mm-hmm. the conservatorship. Mm-hmm. His lawyers were paid by the conservatorship. All of her money – and unaccounted for. Unaccounted for. Where has it gone? And, and she couldn't get her own lawyer. They were appoint, appointing a lawyer for her and, yeah. and you know, the lawyer was in cahoots with the de- – like it just is so gross, such a miscarriage of, of justice and just human decency. Yeah. Another tale as old as time, mm. when you call a woman crazy. Yes. Everything they do is going to be seen through this lens of crazy mm-hmm. because you'd actually think that everything she was expressing at that time is completely normal and expectable for someone experiencing yeah. the high level of stress, trauma. Her aunt had died from cancer or something as well. Oh, like God. she was grieving. There was just like all this stuff going on. It was just a pile of crap on top of a pile of crap. Absolutely. Mm. You know, and like, um, you know, it, you, you look at it then in that way and you think like, oh my God, how did she hold it together for so long? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is the extraordinary thing, I think, that she actually kept it together for so long. Yeah, because mm. mental health-wise, like, I was having a think about this preparing for our chat. I'm like, they've never come out and really said, actually, what she's been diagnosed with. No. Per se. I think there's kind of like, you know, maybe bipolar and maybe depression and stuff like this. But, I mean, look, she's entitled to her privacy. Bless her. Mm. But it also doesn't seem like there's a really hard case for this is someone with a major mental illness Mm. and same with the addiction problems Mm. right yes definitely a problem but was she really not accepting of any treatment for those problems yeah I mean it does make you think about sort of like Amy Winehouse and that kind of thing too could someone have intervened in her life and prevented you know the 27 club yeah which is I understand that fear and terror for people who care about her yeah that she avoided that outcome but it's just it seems really unclear that uh, to me I I mean I see trauma everywhere but I just Mm. think it just looks like a case of like anyone would crack under those conditions indeed anyone would crack under those conditions but she was the golden goose and Mm -hmm. they were going to do whatever they could to keep her going I suspect yeah Mm. And it just, yeah, it's just icky. It's so icky. And what I find incredible, as I said before, is that these fans had this vision of what was going on through Instagram, through the way in which she was behaving there, and mm. built up this whole conspiracy theory that actually proved true. No. And made it happen. Yeah. Got people to investigate. I mean, yeah. it's extraordinary that that kind yeah. of public pressure yeah. – had the ability to, to change someone's life. Yeah. And there's still stuff that's unresolved. Like they thought she was sending messages through her eyelashes. Have yes. You heard this? Yes. <laughs> it's like maybe. Don't know. He's not denied it. Did you know that? So um, her sister, Jamie Lynn's come out looking like quite the villain and she wrote a biography yeah. that no one read. Yeah. But yeah, I was listening to something the other day and they were like, I can't wait for Britney's biography once she tells her story. Mm. I was like, were you sending messages through your eyelashes? I'd love to know. <laughs> but also there would be so much of the story that she would not be able to yeah. formulate. Yeah. I mean, they were pumping her full of whatever they could get into yeah. her to try and get her to be yes. the golden goose that she was yeah and so 
whether she was cognizant of anything going on that she mm. could articulate later on yeah. is is questionable, I think. Yeah, because she did sort of like get in trouble mm. or seemingly be punished and sidelined mm. if she wanted to express, can I perhaps choose my psychiatrist? Mm. Can I perhaps decline a particular medication that I want to be on? Of course, the forced contraception type thing, mm. horrific. And it does seem to be, yeah, this dynamic where it's like, oh, she's trying to seek a bit of freedom and they just kind of build the walls even tighter and around her. Yeah. And you can see how it's very easily done yeah. as well. I mean, it's very easily done in a lot of cases where there's celebrity and there's a surrounding of those celebrities with a bunch of also rands that are yes people that just enable and enable and also make other people back off like Mm. really kind of build that wall of of protection of that person and their place in their world Mm -hmm. to try and make sure they're important and they can do all the things and they get the money yeah so I think, you know, that was happening. It just closed down on yeah. her that she didn't have yeah. anyone that yeah. she could trust. I mean, it's just... It's yeah. also, I think, easy to convince yourself that you're doing that for the greater good, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's, well, she clearly can't manage her own affairs. And I love it when people make the parallel to, say, Kanye West, mm. who does have, apparently, a diagnosed bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and does quite clearly engage in very manic behavior indeed uh and also more recently uh, not great kind of um, criminal behavior that's, <laughs> that's domestic allegedly. abuse type um stuff but he gets to maintain his liberties yeah you know? exactly amazing isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there was a very big difference between the way in which she's treated and the way in which other yeah. artists of that ilk and the nature of the conservatorship is that she had, they had control of her person, which mm. basically means she is like a child. She doesn't have the authority and responsibility to make decisions in her own life. Zero agency. And they had the financial control as well. Doesn't get to say where any of that money is going that she's working for. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. And so is that possible, is that possible here? How does that work in mm. Australia? Mm-hmm. Great question, Nicole. Thank you for feeding me that line. <laughs> you don't have to cut that out. <laughs> What's your sense? My sense is that there is the ability for some kind of guardianship of some kind. I haven't heard the, the term conservatorship in Australian law from just taking in the news. Yep. That hasn't filtered into yep. my... And, and Nick floated us having our friend Laura to come in as like the legal um, <laughs> consult. Yeah. But yeah. she's unwell. I know. <laughs> Sorry, everyone's going to get sick. Everyone's going to get sick. Indeed. We love you, Laura. Feel better, but we could use your legal opinion here. <laughs> so that there's a similar process here in Australia. Right. Mm. Well, there's, so there's two parts, right? Mm. Because um, what the first part in terms of her journey is that she had been placed under this 5150, right. research, nice. psychiatric hold. So that is like in, I think it is in the state Mm. of California. I don't know in the States if that is like different state by state. Mm. In Australia, it is slightly different state by state. Um, But this process of what is written into the law of involuntary assessment and treatment of mental health conditions, Mm -hmm. for sure. Very, very common. In my mind, I'm thinking that's a 72-hour hold. Is that just... I've heard it somewhere. and Yeah. Well, and this is where I got a little bit stuck trying to find research, mm. which is not great out there when it comes to general mental health support and information. I am stunned. 
<laughs> so when I worked in adult mental health, when I was a little baby psychologist, it was it's changed since then. So I was trying to look it up to see the, like, the most recent process. Mm. I think essentially it's not that different, but the terminology and the, the process um, has changed because there was a new Mental Health Act in 2016. Mm. And so that is, yeah, that is the legislation. And then the process has also slightly changed. There's authorised mental health practitioners who you have to do like additional training. So right. it's not just any mental health worker. You have to be anointed, <laughs> it's called accredited, as this specific person who works with the Mental Health Act. Right. So there's specific roles for psychiatrists and other mental health clinicians and these like approved mental health facilities that you can have these assessments at. Right. Here in Brisbane, it's at the major hospitals. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure about community mental health centres, but most of this in Queensland is managed by Queensland Health. Sure. So if you were concerned about a loved one, someone in your life, you'd call the central contact line for Queensland Health and be like, uh, help, <laughs> I think they're hallucinating, <laughs> saying there's like rats climbing across the ceiling and, you know, someone's putting thoughts into their head, etc., etc. So... It's actually, I find it, again, very confusing Mm. because there is this process of you have to sort of put through some paperwork in terms of authority to conduct an examination and that has to be passed through an accredited mental health worker and then they put in a request for an assessment Mm. as far as I can tell and that needs to be with a psychiatrist, I think, who's an accredited mental health worker and so then if they do that assessment and the criteria is suffering from a mental health problem, mm. not better explained for by a medical condition, so like delirium or something like that, or substance misuse. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of kind of stuff in there as well around least restrictive practices. Right. So they have to demonstrate that they've offered voluntary ah. and the person has outright refused a voluntary assessment. Yeah, so there's a whole sort of what's built into it is looking for alternatives rather than an involuntary evaluation. Gotcha. And then at that evaluation, they also have to kind of assess that benchmarking as well. Mm. So if they do place somebody, so I suppose the hold that you're talking about Mm -hmm. is this idea that I think in my reading, it was something like once somebody flags it as a problem, it's up to seven days to have an assessment or the examination done. And then once the examination is done, I think there's another seven days in which you may or may not apply or put in paperwork for involuntary treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I was reading that you can hold someone for up to one hour. <laughs> so like long enough to do an assessment. Yeah. So there's all this language like involuntary hold. And when I was first working in there, people would say sectioned a fair bit. Right. Like I've been yes. sectioned. And I think that refers to like the section of the Mental Health Act. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I think there's like all these different terminology. I was struggling to find the up-to-date information because such bureaucratic language like examination authority and treatment authority and request for assessment. Mm. And I was like, what are these things what do they actually mean? What do they actually it mean? It's, it's, I'm a clever person, but it's not making sense to me. No, no. And then I think what has always been there is that when they're in involuntary treatment, there's a process with the Mental Health Review Tribunal. So that is a panel of people. Their treating psychiatrist mm-hmm. needs to put in reports to the Mental Health Review Tribunal 
I think it's maybe one month after the first time mm. and then like maybe three months thereafter or something like that. Right. This is where, again, I should actually call up my husband because he does this kind of stuff all the time. I'm probably getting it all wrong. <laughs> He'll um, tell us. But it's something like that. Right. It's like there are these regular review processes and there's a whole bunch of reporting that comes to the tribunal. And I think at the tribunal, there's mental health representatives, there's legal representatives. I think there's a community sort of almost like a juror, like a right. kind of normal person yeah, yeah. who's like sits on the tribunal as well. So they do have authority to say whether someone needs to still be complying with an involuntary treatment generally the minute the person says okay I'll take voluntary treatment they also have to be like are you really but were you really so sometimes they'll still keep them on it for a few months to make sure that they actually are complying so yeah but generally when somebody says okay I do understand that I was unwell I was lacking capacity when I was first assessed I now understand that with the medication or whatever I'm now in a better frame of mind Mm. and I do understand that I need to continue my treatment to avoid the mental health problem returning yeah so yeah So, so that seems like a reasonably fast in fast out kind of process Mm -hmm. compared to a 13 year conservatorship so and then so that's a separate process right so there's about the involuntary treatment like how you find yourself there I it sounds to me like when it comes to Brittany had she not been celebrity and high stakes and all Mm -hmm. the rest she probably would have just sat at that level right which makes just gut sense yeah absolutely Because similarly to what you hear about in the States with conservatorship, it is referred to as guardianship here. Right. So it's a very similar process that, and I know less about this being a mental health practitioner, Mm. it is the case that it's mostly used for people who have severe and persistent developmental difficulties. Right. Like cognitive decline to the point where those capacities are not likely to return. Mm so that somebody has to take control over those affairs. Gotcha. I think it's like the Office of the Public Guardian or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. And so they oversee those processes. So it sounds to me like it's quite similar to the States. Mm. And that really, with Brittany, that was like a misapplication of the guardianship conservator process. So it seems. Because they say like, well, you're not meant to come off it. Because if we do our assessments correctly... It's assumed you have, say, dementia. And so you will never be able to come off it because you cannot improve. That's right. Or you have a disability like an IQ, which means your mental age is not of age, adult. So you actually need to still appoint somebody to take care of your affairs because you're lacking in capacity. Yeah, right. So really not something that's normally used for mental health. Interesting. Or addiction. Yeah, yeah. Never. Yeah. And it's interesting because the same thing happened, I don't know if you've heard about Amanda Bynes. Oh, right, yeah. So she was put, same thing, addiction and mental health issues and Mm. put under a conservatorship. But I think she's been released from hers as well and it certainly wasn't 13 years. And she certainly wasn't golden goose material the way that Britney was. It's just quite perverse that she's been made to work all that time and quite capable of that more than capable of that Mm -hmm. but not capable of making any decisions about herself in any way shape or form it's quite yeah extraordinary yeah so society yes being what it is Mm. have we moved on I mean you think about Brittany Mm -hmm. you think about Princess Di and all this sort of stuff Mm. 
and you think we've moved on, we've moved on, we've grown, we've grown a little bit, and then you see the way in which Meghan Markle is treated by the media, and you go, have we, have yeah. we though? We don't think we have. Yeah, mm. I don't, I don't think so. And it seems to me, magazines are less popular, mm. but I think that there are still grubby paparazzi and gossip sites yes. online that yes. do pretty well. Daily Mail, for example. Mm. And there seems to be a fair bit of advocacy sort of saying like, you know, let's not engage in that stuff. But it's our human curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. We want to look at car crashes. Yeah. Aren't we weird like that? Mm-hmm. We're weird like that. Mm-hmm. But we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that weird... It's gossip. Oh, like gossip is like built into our DNA. <laughs> There's something about us that says that's... But for the you know, for another um, mm-hmm. expression, but for the grace of God, there's that kind yeah. of thing where you just go, mm-hmm. you, you need to look at it to realise that you're not in that situation. There's something about perspective or yeah. something about, I don't yeah. know, there's a weird thing in our psyche that says you do want to look at it in yeah. order for you to go, oh, well, at least I'm not. At least I'm okay. Yeah. 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 And it, I, I suppose that, you know, having not kind of looked this up, I'm just kind of thinking it makes sense. We police people in our society, like we make things right yes. through these kinds of processes. Mm. We spread the word around things that are not right. Mm. And there is that level of public shaming that's always been for us as human beings mm. that we want to kind of pinpoint, well, that's the problem and therefore I can learn from it, I can avoid it yeah. and we can kind of remove them from our society. I think it's probably the bigger problem is that it's so globalised now, mm. right? Yeah, well, you used to have have the sort of 150 people that you would be in a tribe, clan group, family group kind yeah. of with that would have your number. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the, the social pariah thing was was death yeah. and you would try to keep in with the group, all of that stuff. Yeah. But if you humiliated yourself or you really did something quite destructive, mm. it would be those 150 people that knew about it, not 7 billion that's who right. can access the internet and look at these mm-hmm. pictures. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. So the Romans used to stone people. Mm. Pleasant. <laughs> and, and then we used to burn witches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once again, crazy women. <laughs> and now we just do it through online. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a certain level of humility in me where I think like, of course, we're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably just in some other way, which is a blind oh. spot. Yet unknown. We are very good at evolving. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> we can just evolve the way in which we, we humiliate and uh, destroy people. Yeah. Rather than evolving to realise yeah. that that's not actually the way to go in the first place. Yeah. And also, I think we do have that level of perspective in which to say, like, how about we just don't consume that content because it's not good for us. Mm. And, you know, that actually trolls and people who are spreading all of the drama and hate online Mm. is actually not representative of the broad strokes of humanity. No. So it makes it seem like that's more normalised. You know, just be great if there would be better protocols for the media, better governing of these online spaces, Yeah, one would think. Yeah. and But you can also do your own curation in that regard. Mm -hmm. The way the people you follow, if you are on Instagram, the people you follow on Twitter, Mm -hmm. going to news.com or going to The Guardian. You know, there are are absolutely differences in what you can see. Yeah. And so you can... And even better these days, you can just send Brittany some love directly. Yeah. Because she's going through a really rough time. 
just send us some hearts. Yeah, I think that's a really wise idea. I find it incredibly sad that someone with such huge potential who clearly developed, you know, mental illness at the time in which most people do, you know, it's around Mm. that late teens, early 20s that things like that happen to people. Yeah. So, yeah, to be surrounded by a whole bunch of people who perhaps didn't have her best interests at heart or had what they thought were her best interests but not actual best interests, thinking about her as a commodity rather than as a human being. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Yes, and it's not an inevitable outcome for all young people growing up in the spotlight. It's so much about who's surrounding them. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the Selena Gomez's of the world versus the Britney's of the world. Mm -hmm. It's a very different experience. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And Zendaya, I love her. (laughs) (laughs) So, if anyone in your life is experiencing serious mental health issues it's probably best that that people look up the mental health act and have a little look themselves to make sure that they are abreast um yeah. we don't want to be giving any legal to me advice. it seems so hard to negotiate to like navigate yourself you should just phone in brisbane it's one three hundred mh call right is like the central line mm-hmm. into anything that's mental health related excellent and tip. they should hopefully steer you in the right direction i love that one 300 mh call for queenslanders and i'm sure you'll find the right number in your state slash mm-hmm. country yeah mm. you can also call like the lifeline and all that kind of stuff as well and mm. they will find who you're meant to contact in That's your local it. area yeah. yeah but i think it's really important to understand that this is something that people a lot of people go through mental health issues mm. obviously mm. there are some who will go through crises that need intervention yeah for sure mm-hmm. and there are resources yeah to be able to help people through yeah. that and there's you can't section someone for drug and alcohol problems mm. which is quite concerning for loved ones who are witnessing that yeah of course um but that's where we stand at the moment yeah mm. yeah rough rough for those who love those who are going through that kind of stuff for that's sure tough. and you can reach out to a psychologist for support with that yes <laughs> because it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to fill people up from an empty cup you got to make sure yeah. you're okay and we often do that in therapy you come and we'll just give you advice on how to manage this person and what yes. routes to go down so yeah. it doesn't have to be you who's struggling no exactly oh brilliant advice all right girlfriend thank you so much rage i love talking about britney we're going to put some resources on the facebook page so that people can have a little read themselves about different articles that have been written different ways in which they can watch yeah particular docuseries that kind of thing share a clip of that pervy old man asking if she had a boyfriend so gross (laughs) so gross Mm. and then next fortnight next fortnight i'm turning 40 (gasps) no i'm not (laughs) no you're not wait a minute (laughs) I'm turning, turning, what? Turning 42. Sorry to do that to you. Why did you do that to me? Because I turned 40 in the midst of the pandemic. Right. In 2020. Indeed. And I've been wanting to talk about This Is 40. Since I turned 40, it's now out on Netflix, so you can go and watch it. And we're just going to talk about middle age. I love it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I um, I remember the first time I watched that movie. I'm a big fan of Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd, so I'm looking forward to having a chat about that. Yeah, they're both great, aren't they? They are fabulous. All right. So we'll do that next time. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. And uh, you can find us, obviously, if you want to, on the Facebook page, pop the kettle on. It's always Mm -hmm. tea time. Have a chat to us about your experiences or your thoughts on Brittany. Mm -hmm. We love to hear what you have to say about things. Um, And also you can find... Rach at littleshopofpop.com and you'll find the blog posts there that support the particular 
topic that we're talking about and all the links to the podcast exactly there as well. And so until next time, Rach. Hug your babies. Yeah, hug your babies and be kind to yourselves and one another. And until next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a little shop of pop production. Pop the Kettle On is hosted by Wooshka and is edited and produced by me, Nicole Asio, and Dr. Rachel Wooshing, with production help from the fabulous Palak. Talk to you next time.